Hello, STEM Nation, Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 86 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. And we're approaching a milestone. We're almost at 20,000 downloads, so we're trying to keep growing it. So if you like what you hear, please do share it with a friend so we can get this out to as many people as possible. Now let's get fired up with our guest today, Nathaniel, and I hope this chat ignites your passion in STEM. Nathaniel has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from Purdue University and is a digital design architect at a large medical design company. Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Fill in the gaps and share a bit of your personal life. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, well, let's see. I uh, graduated in 06 from Purdue University uh, in Indiana. Um, I'm married. I have a daughter who is eight. Um, I play guitar, and I've done uh, electrical engineering in my role for about 14 years. All right. Thanks for that, Nathaniel. And let's dig right in. So you're a digital design architect. Could you help STEM Nation understand what that means? I started off as a regular you know, design engineer, and over time, our, the technical career path at my company has you know, you go from engineer to lead engineer to architect. So uh, as you as you work through, you get more responsibility, more project leadership kinds of things. Um, but generally, what I, I work on a lot is FPGAs and embedded systems. That's uh, multiple boards working together to make one of our medical devices, uh, you know, image uh, people's bodies and uh, give doctors information uh, that they can use to diagnose disease. Why did you go for electrical engineering? What what was the catalyst that drove you down that path? So I've always been interested in computers. I did some programming uh, in high school. And uh, as I went through my high school uh, classes, I really enjoyed um, electrical physics and uh, circuit design. And that kind of thing was rather interesting. And so um, when I started looking at what I wanted to do long term, I thought that uh, I should do something with circuits. And so as I researched that a little more, I found that you could kind of go to electrical engineering or maybe computer engineering. Uh, and I didn't know much about the difference at the time, uh, but I figured that um, if I took more of the computer engineering classes, but still took the uh, field and wave electromagnetics for electrical engineering, uh, I was sure to have a job. So that was kind of my hope. So what is what is one thing that you don't think we understand about electrical engineering that would be really interesting for STEM Nation? I think you end up doing a lot of paperwork and a lot of testing. And uh, circuit design isn't something that you do um, one time and then everything just works. You, you actually get a lot of... Uh, time to debug your circuits or debug your FPGA designs um, and nothing works the first time. So there's a lot of uh, trial and error to get uh, a design that's functional and meets your requirements. So paperwork. So what you're saying is in electrical engineering and what you do, you end up spending a lot of time doing paperwork doing versus doing actual design work? There's a, a good balance uh, on both. So you have to do the paperwork uh, kind of up front to hope you know, that your circuits or your FPGA designs uh, come out and uh, um, actually do the function that you're, uh, you're desiring and understanding very clearly up front what that function is. Um, but then as the as the circuits get built, so, you know, most of the circuit boards these days are very complicated and we have to send them out uh, to a manufacturer. When they come back in, um, the chances that they just work exactly the way you thought they were is very low. And so you can spend a lot of time uh, debugging the circuit in the lab as well 
um, or your FPGA design, you can spend a lot of time uh, going through and, you know, realizing all of the assumptions you made at the beginning maybe aren't 100% true when you see the hardware. And so there's a good bit of hands-on work as well. And then as the design progresses, um, there's a lot of documentation um, that we do to prove that um, the design is correct and that uh, it meets the requirements and also to kind of explain the design so that either uh, you in a few months when you come back to this design or another engineer who might pick this design up uh, later can understand uh, what it's supposed to do and why it's doing what it's doing. Yeah, and Nathaniel, so you keep using this word FPGA. Um, yes. Could you explain to STEM Nation what, what that is? Sure. Uh, so FPGAs, uh, that stands for Field Programmable Gate Arrays. Um, there, uh, it's a chip that you buy and it's like a sea of and, and or gates and flip-flops. Um, so you can kind of, uh, accomplish a digital logic function, uh, in these chips. So they, they come out kind of as a blank canvas and you get to use, uh, blocks that you design to accomplish a function or sometimes blocks that uh, a vendor provides or something kind of like Lego pieces. So you put them all together and you build little tiny systems and then these little tiny systems become bigger systems inside a, an actual circuit assembly. And uh, so you can implement processors. And a lot of times we use FPGAs to glue um, the, the difference, uh, the stuff, the software that will run on a processor. Um, we'll use an FPGA to help interface or offload the processor uh, so that it can get out to you know, various pins and uh, wiggle and talk to hardware. All right. Thanks for uh, explaining that, Nathaniel. So if this is interesting to somebody in STEM Nation, let's say in high school, junior, senior in high school, what would you recommend them go off and investigate or, or go do to see if this is something that they would really like to do? Well, so there, there are a few options, especially now, uh, you know, you, if you get on Kickstarter or you look at like on Reddit, you can go to the uh, FPGA subreddit. There's all kinds of stuff out there for learning FPGA designs. There are uh, training classes that you can take on Udemy. There are um, classes probably you can take in college if that's an area that you're pretty sure you're interested in. Uh, but the approachability of FPGAs is really has really come down, um, and or I guess it's gone up. It's made it higher so that you can um, you can get an FPGA board very inexpensively these days and have some canned. Uh, projects that you can kind of work through to see if this is something that's interesting. It's a little different than programming. And then uh, what I did actually is um, while I was a, an intern at a company, um, I was introduced to FPGAs. And so then when I went back to school, I looked for classes in my, um, in my curriculum that I could take that would kind of lead me toward FPGA design because I thought it was rather interesting. All right. Thanks for that. And then you can go check the show notes out on stemonfire.com. We'll have links to some of the, the FPGA resources that Nathaniel was talking about. And Nathaniel, I'm going to throw you a little twist question. Um, sure. What is, what is one thing that you, you actually don't like about electrical engineering? There is a, a lot of delayed gratification. So when you design a circuit, or uh, as, especially as we're working on circuit boards, um, the turnaround time from when you do your schematic to when you actually have hardware in hand can be upwards of six months, depending on the uh, complexity of the circuit. And uh, so there, so that's kind of, uh, you know, you, you get all, you do a lot of work up front to get a board out and then you wait and you wait and you wait, and then you get it back. And so that can be kind of frustrating and it's a, a lot different. I write a good bit of software as well. 
And in software, you get very instant gratification. So you you make a code change and then you run the code change and you get it and um, that's there. And then that that delayed gratification continues even when you get the hardware, especially on the FPGA design, the builds are, uh, you know, on some of our designs, I have builds that are taking five or six hours. And so, you know, you might in a given workday, you, if you were there early and you planned ahead a lot, you might actually get to try two changes in that one day. Um, so you really have to spend a good bit of time making sure that you know what you're doing or you're going to, you know, waste a good bit of time waiting on builds. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like time management is really important in a, in a position like that. Absolutely. All right. We're going to move on here a little bit, Nathaniel. We're going to ask you a question about what has you really fired up today? Well, so in the, the tech space, um, as I mentioned, I, I really love FPGAs. I think it's crazy when you look at even four or five years ago, um, we have designs that would be, you know, four or five FPGAs. And you look at the, the rate at which technology has increased in this area, and we're redesigning some of those uh, to take four or five FPGAs into a single FPGA. So the, the sizes of these designs is um, just accelerating like crazy. And so that's that's really exciting because you can do a lot more in the chips and you can um, you can really spend a lot of time um, working through these designs and figuring out how to get as much stuff integrated onto one uh, circuit assembly as you possibly can. Uh, the other thing that I, I really like about that is, um, it gives you a lot of opportunity for automation and um, automated builds and tests. So I, I really enjoy developer productivity tools. And so uh, we, we build some ourselves and we buy some good ones. And uh, the level of these designs and the complexity is getting to where you almost have to go to some kind of automation. And we can use a lot of, the, um, a lot of good practices from the software uh, side, like continuous integration, automated builds, and automated tests. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with these. And as as you get all the stuff built into one uh, FPGA, you can really run good tests and good simulation up front in an automated way. And I, that, I really enjoy that stuff. So it sounds like, Nathaniel, that you do a lot of, I'll say, software-type development. If you had to select just one language for a high school student to go off and investigate, what language would that be? I would look at Python. That's uh, it's a good intro language. It's a good. I mean, I use Python daily. Um, actually, the Stack Overflow 2019 uh, developer survey just came out, and Python was the number four most popular language, uh, and that's really only uh, second to you know JavaScript, CSS, and HTML stuff. So that's all the like web kind of things, which isn't uh, as useful in the embedded space. And then if you look at the um, languages that developers like the most, Python was uh, number one or number two, and it beat out Java and C and you know all of the like traditional programming languages. So I would certainly consider uh, looking at Python. And there's a ton of good um, training resources. If there's a question you have about Python, you can get on Stack Overflow and probably find someone who gives a good answer. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a link to uh, Python in the show notes as well. And it's time to move to an aha moment, Nathaniel. Could you take us to a time of when you had an aha moment? And I hope you touch on something that we've chatted about in the past. Okay, absolutely. Um, you know, when I was uh, 
in freshman engineering, especially. And so what I did is I had planned during freshman engineering to get an internship. Um, but I went through my entire freshman engineering and then I actually took summer classes after my freshman year before my internship would start in the fall. And as I went through uh, my first electrical engineering classes in the summer, it was a ton of math, lots and lots of math. And I didn't mind math, but math wasn't really the thing that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so as I'm sitting there in these engineering classes doing mostly math and trying to figure out how this, all this math that I'm doing applies to you know something that I would like to do for the rest of my life, I really wasn't sure um, you know, that maybe this electrical engineering thing was a good fit for me, but I continued through the summer and then went to my first internship in the fall. And as I interned with the company, I realized that, you know, the math is important because you need to understand, um, kind of the physics behind the problems. But once you're out in, in the world working on a job, it's, it's not all math. There's a lot of practical stuff. There's a lot of hands-on stuff. And, and then while I was there in my first uh, intern rotation, I, w- I was exposed to FPGAs. The company I was at uh, uses a lot of FPGAs for a lot of things. And I, I saw that technology and thought, ooh, that's, that's very interesting. That, that's something I'd like to continue. And so then as I went back to school, I continued to look uh, for opportunities that I, I could take to you know, further my experience in FPGA design. And still, even as I continued into my, you know, sophomore and junior and senior years, the classwork itself was not so interesting. And I think if I had been left with just the classwork, um, I would have not been so interested in finishing my engineering degree. I might have changed majors. But because I got to regularly go back to a company and do some intern rotations and see what engineering looks like in practice, I realized that that really is what I love. And so the the classwork was a means to an end. I needed to understand all of that theory and make it through all the math. But the end result was that I would get to do something that I'd really enjoy. Yes, Damnation, listen to what, what, what Nathaniel's talking about, right? So there was a chance that probably one of the better engineers that I know out there um, wouldn't have ended up in engineering had he not known what an engineer really does in the real world. And that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast out there is to help educate you on what really is out there so that when you're in there and late in the library studying, doing all the math, doing classes that maybe aren't that interesting, you know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even if you don't have an internship. So stick with it. And thanks for sharing that, Nathaniel. No problem. So getting through college, right? So you're going to have classes that are just a pain in the butt, right? It's like, why do I have to do this? This is really hard. I don't get it. You know, I'm getting a C, I'm getting a D, or I'm getting an F, right? So Nathaniel, going back when you're starting off in college, what are some things that you wish you knew back then? Well, I think uh, probably my number one thing would be go to all of your classes. That, um, you know, sometimes the classes get a lot harder if you don't go to them. So if you go to all of your classes, Are you, uh, you know, is that what you say? You should go to class. <laughs> well, that that's certainly a, a big part of it. As it turns out, when you stop going to classes, whatever you were working on typically becomes an awful lot harder. Yeah. So, you know, um, but also uh, what I found was uh, focus on getting my homework done early. So I kind of tried to treat my homework like my job and say, like, during the, the work day or the school day, I would go to class and try to get my homework done. And then that gives me evenings off so I can hang out with friends or do other things. 
Um, or maybe even sometimes the homework is a lot and it carries into the early evening, but I really tried to focus on getting homework done early. And so then you can kind of put that aside and enjoy the college experience without the homework, uh, because you have a lot more mental freedom because you know that you're, you know, all of the stuff that you had to do is actually done. And then I'd say, you know, find a group of friends. So that, that maybe is people in engineering. It could be people outside of engineering. A lot of schools, you know, have a very broad and diverse uh, group of people. And so it's fun to get to know other people and uh, find study groups as well in your technical classes. Uh, so, you know, as you continue through your uh, career, you'll start to recognize people in different classes and you've seen them in other classes. And so get together and study with them. The classes and the you know tutorial sections and that kind of thing are useful, but really sitting down with uh, you know a couple of students who are going through it and working through your homework together uh, really uh, solidifies what you're learning in your classes. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, find study buddies to go work with because if somebody asks you a question and you actually have to explain it to them, you're going to yep. find out whether or not you you really know it yourself. So everybody. Everybody learns in that type of environment. So, yeah, thanks for that good advice, Nathaniel. And, you know, once you graduate college, Nathaniel, and you get out to the to the real world and you had the opportunity to do internships, if you had to pick one attribute that is really important when you transition from college into your career, what would that be? Oh, one attribute's hard. I think, um, I, I think I'll split it into two little pieces, though. I think problem solving. So you really need to think scientific method. And as you go through engineering or in many fields, really, it's about problem after problem after problem after problem. And so you have to not get discouraged when you get through one problem and then you just find the next problem. It's like layers of an onion. Um, but you treat it like the scientific method. And remember that negative results are still results. Um, and then the the flip side to that is your attitude. I would hire people who have, are better team players than the smartest person in the room any day. So being able to keep an, a can-do and upbeat attitude in the, in the face of many challenges as you work through your design, uh, those are both um, qualities that I really look for in people coming out of school. Great advice. And Nathaniel, we're going to take a quick pause to thank our sponsor, Audible, who's offering a free audiobook. You could head to stemonfirebook.com and get a free audiobook of your choosing. And if you cancel within 30 days, there's no cost and you get to keep the audiobook. And it's lightning round time. Nathaniel, are you ready? I am. One piece of advice. What is the best one? Don't eat yellow snow. No, uh, uh, no. Actually, I think uh, what my dad taught me was uh, simply doing what you commit to uh, will make you exceed expectations. So you know, in, in the world today, people don't always do what they say. So do uh, do what you say you're going to do. And if you're going to miss a commitment, communicate early, and that will really help you in your career, and you'll be recognized as a valuable contributor. And a personal habit, Nathaniel. Um, I read a lot. So I, I read a lot of books. I read a lot online. I try to read um, in my area of expertise and outside it. Um, I'm heavily interested in software. And so I spend a lot of time reading. And it's amazing, you know, things I might have read a month or two ago, end up coming back and being very useful in my job or in my personal life, you know, in, you know, sometime in the future. So continue to consume information. Absolutely. I mean, just pick up content, content that's outside of your of your field something that interests you it always comes back to help in the end and if you had to recommend one book nathaniel what would that be i recently enjoyed a book called great at work by morton hansen 
Uh, it's got a number of uh, neat stories about how you know somewhat regular people were able to uh, make a massive impact by um, diving into a problem in their work area, but taking kind of a different look than the traditional look. And uh, they've been able to, you know, make massive improvements in the areas of healthcare and education and that kind of thing. And uh, it's a it's a neat book because it's a it's based on a five year study. And so he he actually goes through all of the statistics behind the study. And you can see, um, you know, things that will make you better at your job by kind of turning a problem on its end. All right. Thanks for that, Nathaniel. And if you want to connect with Nathaniel, he's on LinkedIn and his LinkedIn link will be in the show notes. And Nathaniel's also located in the Milwaukee area. And if you're interested possibly in getting a tour of his, of where he works and get some more insights, I'm sure that Nathaniel would, would, would be happy to help you out. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And just feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn um, and uh, we'll work something out. All right, Nathaniel, and some closing advice for STEM Nation, and then we'll say goodbye. I would say do whatever it takes uh, to you know get an internship or a co-op or some experience at a company in the field that you're interested in um, as early as you can. I think that'll help you figure out um, do you you know do you like where your major is going to take you? Um, or, you know, maybe it's an important thing too, if you're partway through your school and you realize where I'm going to end up is not something I'm going to enjoy, or it's not going to provide uh, value to me. Uh, you could make a change and you can change your major to something that will. Um, I'd also say, you know, when you go to a company, you have to realize that that's one company and not necessarily all of the companies. So, you know, take that into account when you're making the decision. Um, but a lot of these companies are very representative of the kind of work that you're going to do. So, you know, get that experience early and you can pivot if needed. All right. Thanks for sharing all that insight, Nathaniel, and all the value. And with that, we will say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with Nathaniel. You can head to stemonfire.com. You can subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion in STEM.